Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, um, but let me ask you, if I asked you to define Christmas with one word, Apart from the word Jesus, what word would you choose? Would you use peace, love, joy, or some other word? Maybe people might use the words like presents, or family, or lights, or some might even use Michael's favourite Christmas word, Santa. (laughs) But if you said to me, depends what day of the week, if you said to me, Christmas, the first thing that might come to my mind is Nakatomi Plaza and the greatest Christmas movie ever made. If you don't get that reference, then you're missing out. But there are a number of words that you could use to describe Christmas. However, I want to focus in on one word, and two people actually said it in that video, and that is the word hope. The word hope. And and generally, that is the word that would come to my mind first and foremost, if I'm being serious, when I think about Christmas. Christmas is hope. And this Christmas, regardless of our circumstances, background, lifestyle, or financial situations, all of us can find hope. All of us can find hope. So as we continue our Christmas series, the invitation, the title of my message today is simply this, the invitation to find hope. The invitation to find hope. Let me tell you, hopelessness is such a dreadful thing. And many people are sensing, probably maybe even for the first time in their life, this genuine hopelessness. An anxiety as to how the escalating conflicts in the world will radically change life on this planet. A fear of increasing terrorist attacks, crazy politics, social unrest. What hope can there possibly be for a better world for our children and our grandchildren? Where can we find new hope for the present, let alone hope for the future? Where can our friends, our family, and our neighbours and our colleagues turn to for hope? Well, let me tell you, the Bible reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 3 at verse 15 to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I want us to consider this dream of hope, hope in a hopeless world. And the Bible really fully understands that hope is vital to all living people. Proverbs, 3, sorry, Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, in life, there's so many ways that our hope can be absolutely shattered. We think about broken bodies, we think about sickness, we think about disease, we think about disasters, we think about broken homes, we think about divorce, about violence, about debt, about death. We think about broken lives. And we think about things like drugs, alcohol, crime, bereavement, desertion, or broken dreams, where our ambitions don't come to pass, when we experience failure, when we experience defeat, when we experience disappointment. Where is hope in these situations? And these all seem to be symptoms of our modern society. And today, they're affecting millions and millions of people. Even people in this room, those people watching online. And let me tell you, it's depriving you of of peace, of happiness, and ultimately hope for the future. And there's a great 
little portion of the Christmas story that I want to look at today. Not one that you would naturally assume that I'm going to preach from when it comes to hope, but I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I'm just going to read a few verses from verse 36 through to verse 38. And it will also be up on the screen. But Luke chapter 2, 36 through to 38. It says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to, to the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. So here in this little portion of scripture, we meet this senior adult lady by the name of Anna. And Anna is 84 years old, and she was here living in hope. And of course, the word hope is not, in, is not used in this text, but the concept of hope is very much alive and present in this little passage. And the highlight of Anna's life was to meet Jesus. Jesus who represented hope for God's people. See, she was a senior adult but in years, but a child at heart. She was a child at heart. And she teaches us the secret of growing older without growing colder. She had learned to see light in the midst of darkness. She had seen the true message of Christmas. Christmas for her was the hope of Jesus. So this morning I want us to consider three things about hope. Firstly, the definition of hope. What does hope actually mean? What does it actually look like? Secondly, the place of hope in our lives. And then thirdly, the power of hope in our lives. So firstly, this definition of hope, what does it actually mean? Well, let me tell you, the online dictionary does not distinguish the world's definition from the Bible's definition of hope. But it's important that we as Christians distinguish between the two. Firstly, the online dictionary represents the world's definition of hope. And two of the online definitions describe hope as the world would see it. The first definition states that hope is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Hope is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. And the second one, the second definition, is a desire accompanied by an expectation. And there are two words in both, there's words in both of those uh, definitions that are so weak. And the first word is feeling. If I base hope on a feeling, my hope is subjected to being disappointed. Like, I could feel absolutely rubbish today because I had a dodgy takeaway last night. It's true. Like, hope based on feelings. So let me give you an example, a few examples of the shallowness of our feelings. If a girl says, I hope my boyfriend gives me a diamond ring for Christmas this year, does that feeling bring about the hope that the ring will appear? No. No. If someone says, I hope my football team, like Alan McLean says every year, I hope my football team has a good year, does that feeling guarantee a good result for his football team at the end of the season? Absolutely not. And the other part of the world's definition is this word, a desire. A desire accompanied by expectation. So let me give you some examples of the shallowness of desires. Desires cannot in any way at all give you hope. If a girl says, I hope you will ask me out on a date, does her desire guarantee the date? Absolutely not. If someone says, I hope my friend or my family member will get over this illness, 
Does this desire guarantee the recovery for that person? Absolutely not. And if a person says, I hope I get this job, does that desire guarantee that they can have hope that they will get that job? Absolutely not. I would say the world's definition of hope is not very hopeful at all. Then there's the Bible's definition. Obviously, the Bible does not share a a concise definition of hope. However, the definition that I share is the Bible's basic philosophy of hope. And this is my paraphrase of what the whole Bible teaches us about hope. And I would say simply this, that hope is the expectation based on the promises of God. Hope is the expectation based on the promises of God. God's hope is not based on feelings or desires or positive thoughts. It's based purely on the promises from God. And the Greek word that is used in the Bible for the word hope is a word called elpis. And it means a favorable and confident expectation. A favorable and confident expectation. It has to do with a positive vision of the unseen and the future. And its most frequent use in the New Testament talks about the happy anticipation of good. So in Titus chapter 1 at verses 1 through to 2, here it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God does not lie, sorry, which God who does not lie promised from the beginning of time. Let me tell you, you can never ever break God's promises by leaning on them. Never. And just for you, I thought I would put this in. Coming up to the end of the year, Michael, this is especially just for you. There's a really old gospel song that states this principle really well. And I'm pretty sure if I said the name that there's people who could start singing it in this room. But the, the song is called Standing on the Promises. Don't sing, Michael. And verse 2 says this. Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. I promise never ever again to quote an old song like that. Let me tell you though, God's hope is enduring. God's hope cannot be frustrated. God's hope will never ever end. God's hope is eternal. Let me tell you, hope It's not wistful thinking or a vague aspiration of some kind. It's not wanting things to turn out well while remaining uncertain that they actually will. Hope is the absolute certainty that we have that God is good and that his promises are true each and every single time. That's our hope. That God is good and his promises are true every single time. Hope is actually personalized in Jesus himself. He is our hope. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the what? The hope of glory. The hope of glory. The world needs people with a confident hope. Not a misplaced hope, but a secure, firm hope. And we learn that by observing Anna's life. The Bible says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. So let me ask you today, church, where is your hope placed today? Is your hope placed in a relationship? Is your hope placed in money? Is your hope placed in your job? Is your hope placed in your material possessions? Let me tell you, all of these things will ultimately let us down. World history has proven this over and over again. And I'm sure that each and every one of you, like me, could point to instances where these things have let you down in the past. 
Relationships fall apart and people's let us down. Our money never satisfies and can be lost much quicker than we ever earn it. Are we defined by what we do for a living? Where is your hope when the downturn comes? Those material possessions and their five minutes of satisfaction, trust me, I know. I really need a new iPad Pro 12.9. I really need a new iPad Pro 12.9. I'm not going to get one, but I really need one. So is your hope placed on any of these things? Or is your hope based on the promises of God? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith has been sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And this verse is at the beginning of the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. Carries with it all of the confidence that comes with knowing for sure, with no questions asked, that, that what we have been promised by God in his word. Our faith is confident assurance. For it is founded upon the rock of our salvation, Jesus himself. All of the actions of the heroes of the faith that are recorded in that chapter in Hebrews 11 were made possible because they had this faith based on the confident assurance or hope in God. That's where they got it from. All they do, not, not a job to do with their jobs or their possessions or their relationships, but all to do with the hope and the promises of God. Secondly, I want to think about the place of God. Let me tell you that hope is not found in religious practices. Anna was a prophet, prophetess. Anna spent her life serving God in the temple. Anna had a good bloodline. But let me tell you, even so, merely going to church does not give hope. Merely quoting some simplistic prayer does not give hope. Some people think that church attendance is a cure for all that ails you. It's one of them. But just coming to church alone and just turning up on a Sunday and then going doing whatever you like, and the rest of the six days will not give you hope. And hope is not to be found in another person other than Jesus. Let me just put that caveat in there. Hope is not to be found in another person. Anna's husband had been dead for many years, yet her hope was not in her husband. Hope is found and found alone in the person of Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus a fulfillment of all hope? Let me give you two reasons. Firstly, he is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And all of God's promises and all of God's earthly activity is centered in on who? Jesus. All of history, as far as man is concerned, is built around Jesus. History is divided by his life. History is his story. You can understand the fulfillment of God's promises by understanding Jesus' Jesus's fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. See, in the, in the book, The Case for Christmas, the author, Lee Strobel, points out the reliability of the Old Testament prophecies. Strobel would argue that some people simply use the coincidence argument to deny Jesus' claim that he fulfilled all of these prophecies. It was just coincidence. They say it was just merely coincidence that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. So in his book, The Case for Christmas, Lee Strobel then says, a mathematician by the name of Peter W. Stoner estimated that the chances of Jesus fulfilling 48 Old Testament prophecies was one chance in 13 trillion. One chance in 13 trillion. I don't know, I, I've never been to the bookies in my life, but I don't know if I'd want to go and put a tenner on that happening. 
And Peter Stoner printed this in a book entitled Science Speaks. Therefore, this alone, outside of all the other evidence, and there's loads of other evidence, gives convincing proof to me that God's promises can be trusted. Secondly, Jesus was also the proof that God's plans cannot be frustrated. Jesus came to this earth sinless and blameless, and he walked up to the cross. They didn't nail him to the cross, he walked up to it. He walked up to it. Then he sat down for three days. They didn't lay him down, he just sat down. He gave it up. They didn't lay him there, and he sat down for three days. And then when he's sitting there for the three days, the enemy's having a party, because they think they have won. They think it's all over. They thought the game was over. Then the earth started to tremble. As our Savior said, three days has passed, now it's time for me to get up. It's time for me to get up. Satan thought he had frustrated God's plans. However, he could not, and he will not, frustrate God's plans. We will have the victory. We will have the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you walking in that victory today? And the Christmas carol, the little town of Bethlehem, states Jesus' purpose in graphic terms, all of which all of us can understand two old songs in one sermon, Michael. <laughs> Miracle of Christmas. And the latter part of verse 1 says, Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hope and fears of all the years are met in ye, thee, sorry, tonight. Charles Spurgeon famously said, Without Christmas, there is no hope. Paul shared several verses that describe our hope in Jesus. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Paul also wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 16, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And the Bible also clearly explains that those without Christ, those without Jesus, have no eternal hope. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Remember that that, that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in heaven, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. And in the First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the, last, the rest of mankind who have no hope. This Christmas season, where or what are you putting your hope in? G.I. Packer said, The Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor, was born in a stable so that 33 years later or thereabouts he might hang on a cross. Where are you pinning your hope today? Where are you pinning your hope today? And then lastly and thirdly, I want to speak about the power of hope in our life. Hope never ever disappears. Time is not a switch that dims the brightness of hope. Hope helps us to look beyond our present difficulties. In our text, Anna was an aged senior adult. However, her hope kept her primed to look beyond the circumstances of her life. And many of you here will be familiar of the story of Anne Frank. Anne was a Jewish girl 
uh, that later became a writer who lived during the days of the Holocaust. And Anna and her family hid out during the German raids. They sweated for their lives for days upon end. And the Jewish family tensed with fear at each mysterious sound. And after days of hiding, the Germans came for Anne and her family. And the story closes with Anne, Anne's father saying, For days we have lived in fear, now we live in hope. For days we have lived in fear, now we live in hope. And many times there are people who have nothing but hope to live for. Over the years, I've, I've observed many adults who have experienced much loss. They have lost their spouses. They have lost their health. They have lost many of their friends. The only thing that carries them through life is the hope. Is the hope. Hope never ever disappears. And let me tell you, hope never ever disappoints. There are many disappointments in life. People let us down. Life some, sometimes lets us down. And Paul shares an encouraging a verse that undergrids this truth about hope in Romans 5, verse 5. He says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope, real hope, that can only come from God, never ever disappoints us. And the word of a song that I heard states as well, it says, He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't lift us up to let us down. And let me tell you, thirdly, hope gives us a reason to live. Hope motivates us to keep going. See, without hope, we will give up. And I used to get the the little Lucy and Linus cartoon. Remember them? The little cartoon strips of brother and sister from the Charlie Brown cartoons. I used to get a little comic strip emailed to me every day before I started getting too many emails. Um, And I used to get these every single day. And sometimes there was great illustrations of life principles in those cartoons. And I remember one of the cartoons where Lucy and Linus were sitting in front of the television, television and Lucy says to Linus, go and get me a glass of water. And Linus looked surprised and said, why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. So Lucy replied back saying, well, on your 75th birthday, I'll bake you a cake. Linus got up and headed to the kitchen and said, life is much more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. Who can relate to that statement? Who doesn't like having something to look forward to? See, when we place our hope in Jesus and his promises, we can always look forward in anticipation. He always gives us something to look forward to. And I think one of the most saddest stories in the whole of the Bible is recorded in Luke 24. And in this story, two of Jesus' followers are traveling from Jerusalem to a a, a town called Emmaus, a distance of about seven miles. And they had been in Jerusalem during the crucifixion of Jesus. And as they journeyed and walked along that Emmaus road, Jesus came and joined them. But they did not know Jesus' identity. And Jesus asked them what they were discussing, what are they chatting about? Because Jesus could see the sad look on their faces. And as they they answer his question, they make a very, very sad statement. And they said, we had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. They had hoped that Jesus would bring hope into their lives. However, he had died. And as well as being a sad story, I always think it's one of the most funniest stories in the whole Bible. As these two guys start telling Jesus about Jesus. And start describing all about Jesus to Jesus. I think it's really funny. 
But before it, Jesus reveals his identity to the two travelers, before he did that, they were a sad pair indeed. However, after discovering that Jesus had indeed been resurrected from the tomb, they received that new reason to live. They were inspired. They had this new tiger in their tank. They had a new fire in their belly. And as the band come and we start to wrap this up, see, let me tell you, the same reason to live, that same inspiration, that new tiger in your tank and a new fire in your belly, let me tell you, that is available to you this Christmas time. That is available to you this Christmas season. That just reminded me of the old Esso adverts. It's all old today, yep. Thanks. The truth never changes over time, Michael. It's true. But you might be sitting here thinking, how can we respond positively to the awful things that seem to be happening in my world, in our world, at this present time? How can you stand there and talk about hope? When you, if you could see everything that's happening in my life. Let me tell you, my advice to you would be simple. Three things. Firstly, place Jesus. Place Jesus at the center of your affections. In your hearts, set Jesus, or set apart Christ as Lord. Secondly, persevere in living with a positive heart towards others. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's within you persevere and then thirdly pass on your hope with conviction with the conviction with with which you hold on to it give a reason for the hope that you have if you're walking with Jesus and have that relationship with him you can walk confidently with hope real hope a hope that's not based on feelings or desires but a hope that's based on the truth and the promises of God's word that's what you can place your hope in this Christmas season. And let me just read these verses from Psalm 25 as we wrap up this message. It says, In you I trust, O my God, do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. All day long. Let me ask you, church, where is your hope placed today? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.